0: So I'm trying to do little projects here and there, but it's really difficult to pick all the pieces together and put it in my personal
1: brand. Well, hello there. Welcome to Brand Therapy. I'm Phil Ballen. I'm Lauren Moore. I thought at
2: first I thought you were saying hello there to me and I'm like, oh, I've kind of been near you for a few hours. Uh, I'm but I'm not sure. saying
1: hello to you. I'm saying hello <laughs> to the listener. We're happy you're back for another session of therapy today is going to be a brand new topic we haven't really addressed on the podcast. No, we? this is new. It's a it's a job title, which I always thought for so long is something that didn't really matter. But that's not necessarily true because I was an entrepreneur pretty much from the day I graduated. So job titles for me were super useful, but eventually became important.
2: It's true. It's true. And there are all these like... HR articles out there that that say in your LinkedIn profile or when you're looking for work, you should have these words or this title. And we're
1: going to be debunking that. Absolutely. Do you think job titles matter as much now?
2: Yeah, I do. But in a different way. In a different way. So before job titles used to matter because you needed to have to show what kind of rank in the ladder you were at. So like coordinator, manager, director. I think now that we're living in a really entrepreneurial world, people don't care as much about the latter, but they do care about you being good at your kind of area of expertise.
1: I just feel so clueless in this world of job titles. I tell a story to our guest today about how I came up with my job title, and it's kind of hilarious. The history of Phil Palin's job titles. It is. It is in this week's episode. And Lucia is a very good example of someone who's recently in the job market and still kind of... Figuring out her angle, her focus, her brand. And we give her some advice today on how to communicate that in a concise way.
2: Yeah, it was a really good call.
1: Okay, we should get to the interview, yeah. shouldn't we? Here is our conversation with Lucia.
0: I'm a recent graduate from the university, and I'm trying to help independent artists develop their career. So I'm trying to do little projects here and there but it's really difficult to pick all the pieces together and put it in my personal brand. Let's talk about those little pieces. What are they? I've been trying to help artists find their way, like actually find their own brand. I'm trying to figure what their, uh, their goals are and how they can achieve them. So, for example, I have a friend that she was kind of lost. She didn't know how to manage her own career, even her name. Because we are from Latin America, so our name is longer than the other people here. That's kind of confusing, but she also wants to be like famous in our country. So I was trying to help her find her name, what she wants to express with um, her, uh, her brand and that expression in her art too. Uh, I also uh, have to uh, help other artists, you know, just giving the encouragement to do the stuff. That's like the first step people are really scared of. And just to encourage them and say that, yeah, you can do it, just do it. That actually helps them a little bit.
1: That's great. Lucia. I have a question for you. Why artists?
0: I always want to help artists. I believe that in important artists are like the future of the music industry. So it's really hard for me to look these all these talented people and that they're not fulfilled with, his, with their dreams. So I want to help them to be happy with their dream. I just want to create a dream to make it true so they can be what they always wanted to be.
2: So would you say when you're helping their dreams come true, are you helping them like set goals kind of and hold them accountable for producing creative works and songs or are you helping them more with marketing? More with the business side. A lot of people, they don't understand how
0: to do things, how to get the copyright or how the copyrights work. Nowadays, we have a lot of more revenue streams like an artist can do, not just about music and shows, but other little things like merchandising or even like licensing your songs and selling your songs to other people.
1: It's great. I'm actually really impressed with what you've already been thinking about. You know, and what you've already, the conversations, the needs that you've identified with your audience. I love that you've chosen, you focused in on an audience, Lucia, but I have a few concerns about this. So let me, let me express those and we're going to talk about this. Your audience is artists, people that are independent, people that are maybe just getting started or, you know, people that are finding their way in the music business. My concern in this situation is somewhat selfish for you. I'm worried that these people don't have enough money to pay you, you know? If you're getting started and they're getting started, I think, at least by the sounds of it, that your expertise, your background, and what you're passionate about is actually branding. Uh, It's management, it's marketing, it's those kinds of elements. Have you given consideration to, if not artists or independent labels, have you thought about any other other types of audiences that you could work with or attract?
0: That's... The money part has been really an issue for me. Like you said, um, not a lot of people have the money to pay these kind of services. But not, I will not look for a different audience, but look for a different revenue stream for me. Like doing live events. Live events is really good. Uh, the revenue stream, or just finding something else.
2: Interesting. And by live events, are you thinking conferences or workshops, or what? What do you mean by that? <laughs> oh yeah, sorry. Yeah always
0: thinking about music. I'm talking about like concerts, music life events. It can be a small, it can be medium, not big because that's too much for me right now.
2: So it's interesting because if you were focusing on concerts, you could almost be curating who you think are the next most promising up and coming artists and bringing them together in like one venue for people. Yes, that's true. Interesting. I've always been intrigued by the idea of live streaming something and having people pay for that online too. I know this is probably not the best example, but like when Louis C.K. did his comedy show and I think sold, I think, what was it, like 5 or $15 or something? He did a comedy show and posted about it to his like newsletter subscribers and they could buy tickets and watch uh, his most recent set online. Is that something you've thought about, like doing live concerts, but but live streaming them?
0: Actually, I haven't just
2: because of all the things you
0: need to have a good streaming and you have like to maintain that good quality through all the the events. I think like live events are more a thing that just streaming, especially of the amount of audience you have, uh, like the artists have. So yeah, it depends on that.
1: I like where this discussion is going in terms of coming up with creative ways to think about how you can do what you do differently. The one theme that I thought about within 30 seconds of this conversation is one that is common among students, race, and grads, and it's this. The idea that when you try to appeal to everyone, you effectively appeal to no one. What I like what you're doing is you are crafting that niche, that focus, that specificity, right? This is my audience. There are some challenges, you know, they don't always have the money to pay. But this is who I appeal to. And I think what you're doing right is identifying a very specific audience and sticking with it. The reason I brought up secondary and tertiary markets other audiences that you also might want to think about is that even when you appeal to one specific audience, so for example, in your copy and your images, you say you are a, you know, a music industry strategist or music business strategist, I and mean, we can come up with all kinds of titles. Actually, maybe we should come up with titles <laughs> in a second. You know, but but by crafting a brand around that, you will attract secondary and tertiary markets. So, for example, maybe maybe the content and the advice you give is uh, useful for musicians, but it also might be uh, useful for comedians. You know, it also might be useful for other types of artists. That's the beautiful thing that you want to kind of embrace. Even by crafting copy and a brand that appeals to one specific audience, you will. If you do that effectively, you will appeal to a number of different markets. So I like that you're heading that direction. One thing I want to change is on your website. You describe yourself as a music business professional not specific enough.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and using the word professional is it kind of is like um it's it sort of tells your your age and your position as a recent graduate. Anyone who's out and new in the workforce will say I'm a I'm an eager aspiring. ambitious aspiring marketing professional. Having professional is is vague as Phil mentioned. So, I think I actually want to go back to what Phil just said about crossing industries. And I think I love your idea about creating multiple revenue streams because managing artists right now isn't isn't really that profitable at least for the time being. My concern with focusing on events as a supplementary revenue stream is that you have to put a lot of money up front to do any type of event successfully. Like you you said it yourself, you know, if you're live streaming it, there's lots of technology. If you're going to be renting out a venue, there's lots that comes with that. So I was trying to think of ways that maybe we could still do live events, but it wouldn't cost so much up front. Have you thought about pairing artists with like restaurants and you could almost be like a restaurant matchmaker? So that way every Friday at their venue you'd be responsible for finding a really cool artist that would might maybe like excite their customers? Actually, yes, I have. But that's like a new idea. I just had like a
0: couple of weeks ago. So yeah, actually, they told me like a lot of venues, a lot of, of not just restaurants, but bars are looking for artists all the time. I, they don't have the tools to find them. So yeah, that's a really good choice for me too.
2: Yeah, because they would be paying those artists, you know, anywhere from 200 to $500 for the night, probably, depending on who they are and how long their set is. And you could almost act as a manager in a way and kind of take a slice off of whatever it is that they're making. And if it's something that's really cool about that is that it would expand really, really quickly, um, it would grow. And so it would be really easy for you to juggle all the artists and where they're going. And you could make like quite a bit of money in a given night if multiple artists are playing at multiple restaurants. Yes.
0: (laughs) The thing is like, I believe that you have to be be there with the band the whole time just in case something happens. You never know. So having multiple bands on the same night can be like a little bit difficult for me.
2: Well, let's maybe take it one step at a time then. (laughs) We'll do one artist uh, (laughs) at one venue per night. But I think I like that idea for you and Phil's nodding right now. I think I like that idea for you as a focus a bit more than guiding artists, because especially if you're guiding people who need help, that means they need help because they don't have any money. So uh, it's you'd be it would be more of a a charity type endeavor to begin with. And that's not that's not good when you're starting out in your career. That's something that's good later on. Yeah.
1: We're trying to get you money here, Lucia. We're trying to get you paid. No. Nope. Yeah, that's a big issue, yeah. Yeah, no, no for sure. And that's, that's you want to be able to make a living. You've paid a lot of money to go to school. You want to be able to make something mm-hmm. of this and to position yourself for, for growth within your own career. Speaking of your career, do you want to go work for someone else? Would you go work for a record label or someone big and fancy? Or do you want to continue this kind of entrepreneurial angle?
0: I did want to work with a big company just because I want to learn a little bit more of the music industry here in the country. But now I feel like it's better to go my own
2: way and just continue
0: to be a freelance, basically.
2: I'm trying to think of if you are going to be freelancing, your title means so much, especially for kind of conveying what your expertise is and not having people question you. So what titles other than Music Business Professional have you thought about? That
0: is... A uh, thing that I've been uh, thinking about a few months now because I'm not crazy about that title either. I just put it there because I thought it was like the basic thing I wanted to do. The other things were something like consultant, but still it's not the same. Actually, I haven't found a title because I feel like what I want to do is something kind of new, so I have to basically came up with something new.
2: Interesting. It's funny. Phil, I'm going to tell you to speak about about your title when you first started out.
1: Yeah, this is interesting, particularly, Lucia, because you're in the position where you want to focus on being an entrepreneur, you want to focus on your own projects. Job titles are funny. I share this story (laughs) when I go back and speak with students because my job title now, it's been the same for a few years, brand strategist. I didn't get that job title because I earned it by any means. I found it on LinkedIn. I saw it for the first time on LinkedIn and I was like, wow, you know, a few years ago, wow, I like that job title. I'm going to adopt it. You know, it's so funny. I didn't go to school to, you know, become a brand strategist. When I first started, I had an even lousier job title. Do you want to know what I called myself? I hate telling this story, but I I suppose it is a learning lesson. Uh, My job title when I first launched, I thought this was the best idea ever, and I called myself a social media designer, which doesn't even make sense. It's
2: better. I was like, you should call yourself a brand architect, Phil. That's like not even much better.
1: (laughs) You know, so it's funny, though, because this is a bit of a discovery process. And that's what you kind of have to to identify and accept, that you, Lucia, are going to evolve you know, you're fairly new, fairly fresh into the job market. You, the more you do the projects, paid or unpaid, you are learning your brand. You are living your brand. It's evolving. What you're going to become known for, you know, what you might write a book on in a year or two or three, all of that is being developed very quickly, kind of like when a newborn is, is you know, brought into the world. It's like they're learning at such a rapid rate. That's you in the job market. And so it's a really exciting time to make sure you're taking inventory of this and also be in a position where this can be fluid and flexible. So my goal by the end of this episode is that you leave this conversation with a rockin' job title. Does that sound good to
3: you?
1: Yeah, it sounds great. Hold the phone, I got a deal for you. Lauren and I do this for a living, just what we're doing right now on this podcast, but much more detailed, all about you, brand therapy. Not just this podcast, but the real deal. You get to sit back, relax. We do all the heavy lifting when it comes to figuring out how we position, build, and promote your brand. It's called a brand audit consultation. Uh, After 90 minutes of hanging out with us, you get a super detailed recap that will help you tangibly take action, execute, and create an amazing brand. For more information, visit my website, philpallon.expert therapy for all the details where you can also get a special discount. Check it out. Now let's get back to the show. So my goal by the end of this episode is that you leave this conversation with a rockin' job title. Does that sound good to you? Yeah, it sounds great.
2: So tell me, when um, you're working in music, do you work with like songwriters and do you help them develop their actual like creative work or are you just strictly on the business side? I help
0: them in the part of um, editing and mixing audio, but not in the actually writing music. And I help them on the business side too.
2: Cool. So in that case, I think that it might actually be best to include artists somewhere in your title instead of music. And here's why. Artist is flexible. And if you do decide to expand beyond music and work with, you know, comedians or actual like real artists with paintbrushes and, you know, sculptors and whatever, you can do that. Um, It shows your flexibility. The risk with having music in your title is that everyone will automatically assume that you're like a Juilliard type graduate and know all about music theory and developing songs and you're with someone from beginning to end. And I think music business, Mm -hmm. like what's in your title now, and you've probably found having music business in your title isn't specific enough and it's not really indicative of your strengths. So how do you feel about having like I don't know, artist coach or artist strategist is like a possible starting point.
0: Yeah, it's a good idea. Yeah, first I thought like you said just um focus on musicians because when I said artists, I'm thinking about musicians. But when someone else says artists, I don't know if they're talking about painters or dancers or I don't know, different types.
2: Yeah, it's it's because it's it's um Vague, but it also helps you. I think in this case, so artist, you could have your title, but then use supplementary copy, like I don't know your LinkedIn bio or your website copy, to specify that it's specifically mute music that you're working in. But uh, I think it sets you up for a few more prospects in the long run. Mm, yes, I'm
1: agreed with that. Another cool aspect to this is being able to set up multiple funnels on your website to actually focus your content in these different ways. When I was first getting started, I rocked a niche. I focused on working with TV hosts. I found that that was a way for me to do what I love to do but have a little bit of a different focus that would be memorable. You know, where people are so super focused on music, for example, or actors, working with actors, there was a missed opportunity there where, for example, a whole group of people TV hosts didn't have anyone that was willing to focus on them. So that when those hosts did come across me, they were really excited. They were like, Oh my gosh, it's, it's not a guy who's, you know, who focuses on actors, but is willing to work with TV hosts. This is someone who focuses on TV hosts. I share that little tidbit because that was one of the ways that I was able to grow my business so quickly. And once you break, once you find a brand, once you start to attract an audience, grow a business by rendering your services, once you find that, that focus, you can then it, you have all the flexibility to go in whatever direction you want later on. So my question for you, Lucia, is if saying music, you know, or artists generally is too wide-ranging, it means that people aren't gonna remember necessarily what your brand is, What would be your focus? And we'll help you with this. What would be your focus in a less crowded space? How can you get more specific with your audience so that you increase the likelihood that you'll be more memorable?
0: I think people that are lost, uh, you know, they're to say, I just want to play music or I just want to do my thing. Just help them since uh, the beginning of their career. Like, hey, um, if you want to do this, just follow these steps. Like the, that will be like giving some, uh, giving them some steps of how they can do the things to achieve their not their goals, but like a first step to their dreams.
1: That's great. I like where you're where you're going with this. One way to make this a little less daunting is to also do some market research. You know, poll the last three, four, five people you've helped in this capacity and ask them, hey, by the way, what is it you enjoy working? You know, what is it you enjoy about working with me? Sometimes other people have better answers than we have for ourselves. So I thought I'd mention that just as one way to alleviate that pressure. I see Lauren typing over here like a maniac. I want to know what you're up to.
2: Oh, I'm up to a lot. I'm trying to distill your brand into one sentence. And it's something that we do with with all of our clients. But essentially, it's like your elevator pitch. So when you do a lot, and when you're good at many, many things, it's really hard to be concrete and make like a direct sell to someone so they know immediately what you're all about. So by doing a brand sentence, it's something that's really easy for others to understand. And it's also really easy to repeat. So they could be telling other people about you. So I'm writing down potential brand sentences for you. And we've got a little formula that we use with clients and I'll share it with you now. But essentially, usually it's like, I help blank. So your primary audience, or I give blank. And then it's just whatever sort of that firm action is. So I help blank so they can blank. That's really what the formula is. So for you, it might be, I help musicians find direction and make money. Like that's really, really to the point. It might be too direct for you, but I like how specific it is. And any musician who's thinking about working with you will be like, make money. Like, yes, please. Another option that's a little bit more subtle is I give musicians direction so they can find fans. And I like that too, because it's, it's kind of, I don't know, I'm almost imagining you navigating the waters of this industry for people. Like I like that there's almost like Cartography language in there. You're dire- there's direction. There's finding things, and I really like. I like that for you. It shows that you're in that journey with them. How do you feel about those? Yeah, I like how they sound. They sound. I don't think they are too direct
0: for me because that's what I actually want to do.
2: Great. So let's imagine you do. I help musicians find direction and make money. Actually, Phil, which one do you prefer?
1: I need to read them again. So the first one is, I help musicians find direction to make money. The second one is, I give musicians direction so they can find their fans. Hmm. I kind of like the first one. uh, Oh yeah, what were you going to say, Lucia?
0: Based on uh, my research about my target audience, uh, if I say money, there will be much, you know, appeal to what I do.
1: That's what I'm thinking. That's exactly what I'm thinking. Just to to flat out say what you know they want to hear, but also know you're capable of delivering the content to achieve that. Really cool.
2: So Lucia, you are now officially an artist strategist and you help musicians find direction and make money. I think that really works nicely. (laughs) Yes, it does. So what's cool is that this is the foundation and now that you've got this direction and now that you've got this title, this official title, um, use it as kind of a springboard on all of your social media channels and on your website and know that that ultimately you're wanting to show people that they will make money if they listen to you.
1: Yes. That's great. I, and I'm thinking, too, of one of my friends. I'll give him a special shout out, Mr. Tony Howell, who has also evolved over the years. He... His, I just looked it up. His job title is digital strategist for artists, so kind of related to the same family. But Tony is definitely someone you should look up. Tony Howell, he has very successfully navigated these waters. There's your cartographer reference. Um, you know, he's you know got a lot of programs and services, and helps people with their websites and such. So he is someone you should definitely look up as you start to develop this job title and focus. I'm very excited for you, Lucia. How are you feeling after this discussion?
0: Uh, really
1: excited, too. So what's going to be your next step?
0: My next step is actually changing my website because I think it's a completely a mess uh, and just put it together with my business cards and just so everything looks nice and it looks the same. That's one thing. And the other thing is to network
2: more and find more artists that are looking for what I'm trying to do. I think that sounds just perfect.
1: I think you're going to notice a huge difference when you start to speak directly to that audience you've identified. Speak to what it is they need, not just wants. People don't spend money on wants. They spend money on needs. And to speak to the needs of your audience right away with your branding, to pivot from music industry professional to artist strategist, I think this is going to be really an exciting evolution for you, Lucia. We are very excited for you. Any other final thoughts, Lucia, before we let you go and, and get to work?
0: Yes. Actually, can you spell to me the, uh, his last name? You say Tony Howe?
1: Sure. H-O-W-E-L-L. Thank you. Beautiful. Well, Lucia, we are going to let you get right to work. Thank you for hanging out with us for a few minutes this morning on Brand Therapy. And we're very excited to hear some updates from you down the line. <laughs> Thank you. Awesome. So what do we think?
2: I'm noticing a trend among new graduates. And that trend is that they graduate and they have these big ideals and dreams of like helping people and helping people who don't have money. And look, I'm all for charity, but you also have to put your own mask on
1: first. You do, because if you if you spend, you put effort towards charity, how on earth are you going to pay your rent?
2: Mm -hmm. And it's not even like charity, too. Like it's not a non-for-profit this is how she's thinking that she's going to make money, and we we've seen this with multiple interviews too. It's uh, they're wanting to target people who are similar to themselves, but the issue is is that you won't necessarily make a living from that.
1: Exactly. I mean, I I thought about this when I first moved out. I was like, oh, I'm going to become a TV host. You know, I'm going to do all these things, and I was like, wait, maybe I won't because if it doesn't happen right away, how am I going to pay my rent next month?
2: Exactly. I know Dalton, our producer.
1: He yeah, just Dalton. Graduated. You- well, not just. Well, not but just. Yeah. More recently
3: than us. More.
2: <laughs> Dalton, you're younger than I am. Thoughts?
3: Yes, I do have some thoughts. <laughs> I think it's one of the things for new graduates. This is something that I personally experienced is that, first of all, as we all know, it's very hard to get a job, especially right after you graduate. And another thing is that new graduates or recent graduates, you could say, I think, want to do things for their friends and people who can't pay them just because they're scared and they probably don't think that they're good enough to do it for bigger people who would actually be able to pay them because they'd be scared like, oh, I don't want to screw it up. I mean, I think about that all the time. Even with you guys, I'm like, oh, (laughs) I don't want to screw this up. Like, am I actually good enough to do it? And I think that's a big issue that young professionals have.
1: Yeah, she's got to get her head in the game. And and honestly, just by doing, you learn so much. I remember when I agreed to make them, you know, The first client website project, I said, yes, I can do that before I really actually knew I could do it. But by going through that exercise and having that pressure, I was able to turn it into a business. I remember how nervous you were to send
2: that estimate. I remember vividly and you put it on. Wasn't that when you had the star
1: on your... Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Yes. My invoice design. Yeah. No, this really interesting topic. And I don't mean to just focus on money and make it sound like that's the only thing that matters. It's not the only thing that matters, but it certainly does matter particularly for new grads that are wanting to launch and pursue their own entrepreneurial goals.
2: It's a competitive world out there. And if you're brave enough to go out on your own and not have an employer deciding how to pay you, you just have to be a bit more cautious.
1: Absolutely. I want to know what you think about this week's discussion. I love the brand sentence and the title we come up for we came up with for Lucia, but I want to know what you think. Drop us a tweet Hashtag brand
3: therapy. I'm at Phil Palin.
2: I'm at the Lauren Moore. And Dalton, say your Twitter handle. Yeah, who
3: are you? Oh, I'm at Dalton J. Kaufman.
1: Also, if you enjoyed listening to our show, make sure you drop by iTunes. Give us a review. That helps other people discover this podcast that we're working very hard to make. And be sure to visit philpalin.expert slash therapy. And um, don't forget to subscribe. Don't just review, subscribe. Absolutely. Thank you so much for hanging out with us for a few minutes today. We will see you back for the next episode of Brand Therapy. See ya.
2: Here's what's coming next week. <laughs>
1: especially with the fact that I want to elevate myself above the brand and I'm not even putting pictures of myself in there so it's like this annoying thing isn't it that I know what I'm meant to do and I don't do it.